Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. Netflix is down 25% plus after hours. They released their earnings just a few minutes ago. I took a look at the earnings. I looked at them ahead of time and... I think the sell-off is kind of deserved. This report was disastrous. The last time that they sold off, I didn't really think that. In fact, I thought it was a little bit overblown. We can look at Netflix as a unique stock for me because it holds two consecutive records of the biggest sell-off after biggest sell-off after earnings. This company just drops like a rock after earnings. The first time was right here. It dropped 20% in one day, and then it traded down to 30% within just a couple of days. Then we had Bill Ackman buy into it. The stock traded up a little bit, got some relief, and then it started to trade downwards. Now they release this disastrous earnings report that we'll jump into, and they're down another 25% to 260. So what we're looking at here, just to put this in perspective, is what happens when a growth stock, a growth company, stops growing. Investors are pricing the company for growth. That's what you're paying for. You're buying the company now, assuming it's going to continue to grow at a certain rate, or at least within a certain, you know, a probability distribution. You think it's going to grow this way. And then it goes, nope, we're done growing. We're not growing anymore. In fact, we're doing the opposite of growing. That is what's happening with Netflix. The company is now turning from a growth story into a non-growth story, and it's not priced low enough to be a value story. So this stock really doesn't know where it's in. And I think that this sell-off actually makes sense in this situation. This is one bad earnings report. And I haven't listened to the call with Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos, but they have a lot of explaining to do. So let's go ahead and jump right into the investment shareholder letter released from Netflix. I'll outline the the biggest things that are positive, the few things that are positive, and the really bad things in this report. Because there's a couple key things that I think are, are disastrously bad. So we'll get to them here. Fellow shareholders, our revenue growth has slowed considerably. That's the first line in this is how their revenue growth is slowing. Um, And it it has slowed down a little bit. As a result of our forecast below, streaming is winning over linear as we predicted and Netflix titles are very popular globally. However, relatively high household penetration when including the large number of household sharing accounts combined with competition is creating revenue growth headwinds. So Netflix right off the bat, is naming account sharing and competition as two things that are getting in the way of their growth. They're outlining both of those things. Just a letter ago, or two letters ago, so two quarters ago, they were shrugging off competition. They didn't even outline it as a factor, acting like it was no big deal. All of a sudden, competition is a big deal for Netflix. So that's the first thing. They were shrugging off competition. Now they list it as a thing in the way of their growth. And a few years ago, Like back in 2015 and 16, there's tweets of Netflix encouraging people to share accounts, even outside of the household. Now they're saying that uh, they don't have the same runway of growth and the account sharing is actually getting in the way of them growing. So they're trying to address that as well. But these are two things that up until now weren't a big problem for Netflix, at least for the investors. They looked at this as not being an issue. People shared the accounts that lowered the churn rating. 
Um, and then competition wasn't a big issue. Now it seems like that's completely changed. Continuing on, they say the big COVID boost to streaming obscured the picture until recently. While we look to reaccelerate our revenue growth through improvements to our service and more effective monetization of multi-household sharing, we'll be holding our operating margins around 20%. That's good. So their margins are staying steady. That's about where they have been historically. Uh, I think that's a good point for their operating margins. Key to our success has been our ability to create amazing entertainment all around the world, present it in highly personalized ways, and win more viewing than other competitors. These are Netflix's core strengths and competitive advantage. Together with our strong profitability, we believe we have the foundation from which we can both significantly improve and better monetize our long our service longer term. So that's their kind of uh, sugarcoating language, right? We still have a bright future. We have a lot to learn. We can improve different things. This isn't good though. Let's go ahead and look at their growth outlook. Now, what they do here under growth outlook in their letter is kind of repaint the picture of Netflix with kind of nostalgia, talking about how they created a streaming service and people love TV and movies and games, stuff that we've already heard before. I don't want to re- reiterate and regurgitate all of the stuff. Uh, But they still believe that Netflix will continue to grow as there's more broadband homes and so on and so forth. That's basically what this is saying. So let's go into the four different reasons why Netflix thinks that their growth has slowed down and completely stopped at this point. First, it's increasingly clear that the pace of growth in our underlying addressable market, broadband homes, is partly dependent on factors we don't directly control, like the uptake of connected TVs, since the majority of our viewing is on TVs, and the adoption of on-demand entertainment and data costs. So this is all stuff outside of Netflix's hands. We believe these factors will keep improving over time so that all broadband households will be potential Netflix customers. I think that's kind of a lame excuse. There's plenty of internet-connected households out there that don't currently have Netflix. So to blame that on broadband connection, I think is, like, I don't buy it. I think this is a super flimsy excuse by Netflix. Second, in addition to our 222 million paying households, we estimate that Netflix is being shared with over 100 million households, including over 30 million in the US and Canada region. Account sharing as a percentage of our paying memberships hasn't changed much over the years, but coupled with the first factor, it means it's harder to grow membership in many markets, an issue that was obscured by our COVID growth. So they're basically saying we just grew so much because of COVID that that cast a shadow on these underlying issues that we otherwise could have been better identified. I think that's what they're saying. Basically, COVID growth obscured us seeing this as a problem. Now, again, I see this as kind of a flimsy, a flimsy excuse. This is consistent with how Netflix has always grown. 30% of their accounts being shared, 60% of them being paid. That's basically how they've grown since the beginning. So nothing's really changed. They've had the data the entire time. But now all of a sudden, when growth slows down, they're highlighting this is a big issue that suddenly needs to be addressed. Kind of disappointing. I'd assume the management would have been able to identify this as a potential problem long before their growth like stops overnight, right? So that's another thing that I consider to be really disappointing. Then they go on with the third reason, competition. This is their third reason for viewing with linear TV as well as YouTube, Amazon, and Hulu. YouTube has grown massively over the past three years, Channels like mine are upgrading their production, putting more effort into it. They're getting editors and some people are getting writers and stuff. So YouTube is becoming a massive competitor in the video space as well. And all of this stuff takes time away from potential time you could be watching Netflix. 
So they say, however, over the last three years, as traditional entertainment companies realize streaming is the future, many new streaming services have also launched. While our U.S. viewing share, for example, has been steady, according to Nelson, we want to grow that share faster. Higher view share is an indicator of higher satisfaction, which supports the higher retention and revenue. This is, I think, a more valid excuse. I think this is something that Netflix didn't anticipate having a pandemic and every single company moving immediately into streaming, that's something that I think would be difficult to anticipate. Companies like YouTube have grown so substantially and Amazon has put so much money into it over the years that I think they're now being more competitive. And here Netflix shows this graph that's kind of, you know, it portrays a, a positive thing that they're still increasing and even growing their their timeshare of the US. But competition is certainly a factor. So out of these excuses so far, I think the competition is the most valid factor. When I look at all the competitors to Netflix that are rushing their services into streaming and pouring tens of billions of dollars, I think that has to take away some of the focus of what used to be the only good streaming service. Netflix used to be the only good one. Now they're probably amongst the best, but there's other good alternatives. Fourth, they say macro factors, including sluggish economic growth, increasing inflation, Geopolitical events such as Russia's invasion of Ukraine and some continued disruption from COVID are likely having an impact as well. And I don't really buy this excuse that much as well. Macro factors are suddenly the reason that Netflix isn't growing. Inflation? Well, tell that to all the restaurants that are getting record sales or Disneyland that's completely packed. You're losing customers in the U.S., When people are willing to spend thousands of dollars to go to Disneyland, people obviously have enough money to buy Netflix. They're choosing to buy other streaming services. So I think the most valid reason out of all of these is probably competition. I think that's what's eating away at their growth. Now, moving on past their list of excuses, we get into the Q1 results and the Q2 forecast. Both of them are terrible. The Q1 results are terrible and the Q2 forecast are disastrous. So Let's go ahead and jump right in. They say that paid net additions were minus 200,000. So this is the first time that Netflix has ever in its history ended a quarter with less subscribers than they started with. They literally have less subscribers now than they did 90 days ago. Now, this quarter was disastrous. It was way below their expectations. They were forecasting 2.5 million net additions and they had 4 million the same quarter a year ago. So it was already way below what investors were expecting. And they also had a little bit of an excuse this quarter. They have something that they can kind of point the finger at. They can say, hey, we pulled out of Russia because of the war going on and problems there. And that lost us 700,000 paid net ads. So if you actually remove Russia, they still gained 500,000 subscribers. A basically tiny amount, way below forecast. That's if you factor in Russia and the 700,000 subscribers they lost. But if you don't factor in Russia, they're down 200,000, which is a number everyone's paying attention to. So that's kind of, you know, it's terrible. It's a bad quarter, but not absolutely disastrous because outside of Russia, they're still technically growing, right? This last quarter, they're still growing, but this continues to get more concerning. If we read on, they say the main challenge for the membership growth is continued soft acquisitions across all regions. So they're not really growing in any region which is troubling. Retention was also slightly lower relative to our guidance forecast. So retention going lower means churn going up a little bit. And I think that churn is going up because of the increased competition. There's so many services that people might cancel Netflix to try out HBO for a month or Showtime or 
Amazon Prime or whatever. Now, they still point out that the retention is very good. They say, although it remains at a very healthy level, we believe amongst the best in the industry, recent price challenges are largely tracking in line with our expectations and remain significantly revenue positive. They say in EMEA, which is Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, they were down 300,000 paid net ads. Now, again, if you exclude Russia out of this and the one-time impact of that, they were still up 400,000 but not a lot, 400,000 excluding Russia. If you factor in Russia, then they're down three 300,000. We saw the slowdown in our business in Central and Eastern Europe in March, coinciding with Russia's invasion in Ukraine. Paid net additions in Latin America totaled minus 400,000. Similar to recent quarters, we believe the combination of forces, including macroeconomic weakness and our price changes, were a drag on our membership growth. Now, they highlight that the United States and Canada paid net additions of minus 600,000, so they lost over half a million subscribers in the US, was largely the result of our price change, which is tracking in line with our expectations and is significantly revenue positive. So they're basically saying, we realized we'd lose a little bit of subscribers in the US, over half a million, which isn't a substantial amount, but we increased prices enough to more than make up for that. So it was a revenue positive move there. It's still troubling to see them lose subscribers in any case, but at least this was factored in. We're making good progress in the Asia Pacific where we're seeing nice growth in a variety of markets, including Japan, India, Philippines, Taiwan, and Thailand. So that's the only area, by the way, that they grew was Asia Pacific. Every other region in the world, Netflix lost subscribers. If we look at their forecast for Q2, this is really where it gets terrible. Here we go. They say, as a reminder, the quarterly guidance we provide is our actual internal forecast at the time we report. For Q2 2022, we forecast paid net additions. This is for next quarter of minus 2 million. They're forecasting the loss of another 2 million subscribers versus the 1.5 million that they made a year ago. So Netflix is forecasting that they're going to continue shrinking, at least for another quarter. Our forecast assumes current trends persist, such as slow acquisition in the near term and price changes, plus typical seasonality. So Q2 paid net ads are usually less than Q1 paid net ads. Now they say that we project revenue to grow approximately 10% year over year in Q2, assuming a roughly mid to high single digit year over year increase in average revenue uh, monthly on a, on a foreign exchange neutral basis. So that is the positive news. I guess they're forecasting revenue growth. But the big headline there is that they're losing subscribers. The business is shrinking. It's honestly amazing what's happening. This company is not growing anymore. And they're saying that they're going to start shrinking. So after that, we have the cash flow and capital structure. And this is one of the few little bright spots in this report. Free cash flow, the metric people typically say they look at with a company like this, but nobody's looking at this metric. It amounted to $802 million versus the $692 million expected. So they came in above expectations with free cash flow, and they are a free cash flow generative company. So that's one of the things we expected out of Netflix. They're going to be free cash flow generative. What we did not expect out of Netflix is that they're going to start losing subscribers quarter over quarter. That is completely against expectations of any investor in the company. So that is a quick look at what I think are the important parts of the earnings report. To summarize what we just looked at, we have the positives here. Netflix beat their earnings per share by 62 cents. That was actually a pretty significant beat. And this would be a positive thing if they didn't have so many negative things overshadowing this. So that was certainly a positive thing, but investors aren't really paying attention to it. They also have free cash flow 
of $802 million. So $802 million free cash flow, $100 million above expectations. Certainly a positive thing. Netflix is beating their earnings. They're generating free cash flow. Those are both good things. We have the revenue growth expectations of 10% for next quarter. Even though they're having troubles, the fact that they're still growing revenues is a positive thing. And in some cases, revenue growth might be more important than just subscriber numbers. Like in the US, they increased the prices per subscriber that lost them about 600,000 subscribers. But overall, they're still growing revenues as a result of that. Now, we get into the bad part here. Plus 500k subscribers this quarter, minusing Russia. So if we take out Russia, they gained 500,000 subscribers. If we don't take out Russia, if we include that in the calculation, Netflix has less subscribers this quarter by the end of it than they started with. And this is something that in and of itself is shocking. But I think the even more shocking thing is Netflix expects this to continue for at least the next three months. For next quarter, they're forecasting a loss of 2 million net subscribers. So they're going to lose an additional 2 million subscribers in addition to losing 200,000 this quarter. So as of right now, Netflix has basically said, we're done growing. We're going to try to re-accelerate growing, but as of right now, for the foreseeable future and what we're forecasting, we're done growing. In fact, we're shrinking. And the only way that we're really growing revenues or free cash flows is by cutting away on our budget and increasing prices. This is not the story that they've been sharing for the past couple of years. The story that they're sharing is that there's 700 to 800 million total addressable subscribers out there. They have plenty of room for growth and they'll be able to add hundreds of millions of subscribers to the company. Well, now it seems like they're struggling to add any. They're not growing at all. So overall, when I look at this news, my initial reaction is one of surprise. I am surprised by this. I'm not surprised by this quarter, the quarter they just reported. Losing 200,000 net subscriber gains is disappointing, but they can kind of blame that on one-time events. You know, they had the Russia thing they pulled out there uh, that put them into the negative subscriber net additions for one quarter, but that is a one-off event. And I'm a long-term investor, so I'm looking at the long-term of the company. I have the short shelf life stuff and the long shelf life stuff. And basically what they're saying is not only are we going to lose subscribers this last quarter, but we're forecasting even more losses in the next quarter. So the question is whether or not this is a bigger, more persistent issue with this whole business model. Can Netflix grow past 220 million subscribers? Is that possible? If Netflix can't grow past 220 million subscribers, can Disney? Their goal is 350 million in 2024. How are they supposed to get to 350 million if Netflix, which has substantially more content, can't even get past 220? So this raises a lot of questions about the entire streaming industry and what this means. Because right now, Netflix is basically saying, We've hit our wall and it's 220 million subscribers. We are not growing past that. So overall, I am pretty shocked by this news. I am going to be considering it, thinking about it over the next couple of days. I'll be listening to their earnings report as well. And the big thing that I'm going to be trying to determine over the next couple of days is if this is a one-time thing, if this is just a tough year for the company, or if this is an inherent business model problem. Can Netflix eventually grow past 220 million subscribers? Or is the story completely dead? Because right now, they're actually making that a question. So that's my thoughts right now. Not the outcome that I wanted, but hey, that's how it goes. You win some, you lose some. I appreciate all of you watching, even the haters. If you want to leave your comments, you can do so in the comment section below. I appreciate all your input. See you in the next one.